Hi, I'm Anne McElhenney. And I'm Phelan McAleer. So let's look at what's been happening. Today is Thursday, uh, March the 26th. First, we're going to talk about Vox deleting a tweet and why would we care about that. It's very interesting and reveals a lot about the media. We're going to look at the stimulus package has just been passed last, late last night. Let's look at what our elites and what the establishment think is important during a national emergency that threatens the lives of millions of people. It's not what you think. Your idea of what's important is probably not similar to theirs. Let's look at that in detail. And we've very good news from the UK. Maybe. Maybe. And, and we have a very good piece that we want to highlight about from Heather MacDonald asking us to consider, you know, the costs of all of these massive shutdowns. We also have some very disturbing statistics from China that we want to share with you. And some news from France um, about the new regulations and what they're asking people to do there and how it's affecting people's lives. And we have some advice um, at the end. And the advice is basically go back to Costco, but we're going to tell you more about that at the end. That's always Alan's advice. <laughs> In any crisis, the, the first rule is always go back to Costco. Uh, but you'll be surprised by, by, by what I have to say about, uh, certainly about my local Costco. Okay, so we want to start with this, this breaking news story from yes. Vox. So Vox, I'm just looking at here on, on my computer. Vox... Um, on, they've just announced we, we deleted a tweet because it did not match current thinking and, you know, moving on. They don't tell you what the tweet was, right? Now, this is not how newspapers should work. This is not how media outlets should work. They po You should post a correction to things. Uh, you know, you should pull that tweet and screen grab it and post a correction on top of it. And maybe, maybe even write an article why you got it wrong, uh, self-analysis, self-criticism. This is Vox that has been very, very vocal in criticizing president and other people uh, for their poor understanding and response to the coronavirus. So what could be this mysterious tweet mm, from January the 3rd? So it's a little, they do a little explainer on the coronavirus on January the 31st. And it starts off with, what is this coronavirus? Hashtag coronavirus. Uh, it's part of a family of viruses that attack the respiratory system. Should I travel during the outbreak? The CDC at the State Department advise avoiding travel to China for now. And then the best bit. Is this going to be a deadly pandemic? And the answer, quite simply, no. So... Um, so this is the 31st of January, Phelan. Something else significant happened that day that perhaps they're responding to. Mm, what happened on the... And by the way, this is, we're, we're going to bring this up continuously during our uh, Daily Virus podcast because there's a date, the 31st of January, very significant date in relation to America's response to the coronavirus uh, pandemic, which continuously gets deleted from the mainstream media. They talk about Trump banning travel to Europe, but they somehow forget something that happened on the 31st of January. Phelan, what, what happened on January 31st? That is when President Trump introduced his travel ban, banning people who'd been in China from traveling to the United States. Uh, and he was attacked at the time for being racist, uh, for being xenophobic. Viruses don't, don't you know, aren't racist, you know. And, you know, and <laughs> they don't he, really come from anywhere. Yes, they, but they do actually come from Wuhan. You can f see more about this actually in our in our latest podcast, the Alan Film Scoop, where we actually have, show a BBC video that talks about sixty days of the Wuhan, or the, sorry, of the coronavirus, and they forgot to mention President Trump's travel ban and it's a US 60 days of the coronavirus in the US 
And I would ask people, every time you see some kind of summary of uh, Trump's activities and his response to the coronavirus, every time you see one of those stories, just have a look. Just always have a look and see if you get any mention of the 31st of January when the President, uh, President Trump uh, banned travel uh, from China. It's, wor- it's worth doing. So we have a stimulus package, Philip. Stimulus package, God. <laughs> mm, how, God between us and all harm. So... Talk about playing politics with people's lives. So what do we learn? What do we learn about people by in the, what do we learn about people with their response to this stimulus? How they how they how they framed this stimulus? These are not serious politicians. These are bad people on both sides. By the way, we do not have a serious media because they're not highlighting this. We have a bad media. You know, with millions being unemployed overnight, facing destitution. The Democrats tried and failed to put abortion funding in the stimulus. Now, regardless of your opinion on abortion, uh, you know, you're, you're entitled to have your opinion on it. And you're entitled, by the way, to push your political agenda to match abortion, but not during a stimulus package designed to stop people losing their homes and going destitute. It's got nothing to do with that. Uh, they, they tried and succeeded to give $25 million to their friends in the John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts in D.C. So we can have dance interpretive, coronavirus dance interpretations. And, of course, we're going to have lots of plays and poetry about how evil President Trump is. So they're giving money to their friends to, to advance a political agenda going forward. Under the ga- and, and by the way, you know that we know that goes on, but not during this stimulus, not during this national emergency. And the other thing that decided that was so important that had to be included in this stimulus package that is that is responding to this national emergency is $75 million for uh, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, which produces NPR. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I, for, for, I, I don't know if it's happening all over the country, but it's certainly happening here in California. You know, every day when you turn on NPR, they have this thing of that they have suspended their their donation drive that they normally have in, in March. We're suspending it. We're suspending it. So we just need $1 million this month. And it's like, hmm, that seems really odd because they say they're suspending it and then they spend a lot of time talking about this $1 million they, that they want. And on that point, I just want to make a quick mention for us because obviously we're affected by this as well and we, you know, we're, and we're obviously very dependent on the kindness of the strangers who, who come along and, and enjoy our content, enjoy the things that we do. And if you wanted to, you know, you're at home and you have time um, if you wanted to donate, we would really appreciate it at the unreportedstoriesociety.com. It's a 501c3, so all donations are tax deductible. Unreportedstoriesociety.com. Yes, uh, thank you for that. Um, we've, we've been so lucky that so many people have been so generous to keep us going and do what we do. But how has NPR reacted to, pres- to, to, to this national emergency? Well, Seattle's NPR station, KUOW, have decided they're not going to be airing the daily presidential briefings on the coronavirus due to a pattern of false or misleading information provided that cannot be fact-checked in real time. In other words, I mean, those daily briefings are incredibly interesting and fact-filled because you have those doctors saying things like, we now notice millennials are actually more susceptible to the virus than they were. We notice that this may be a complicating factor, diabetes. We've got information from Italy that people who have this, that ibuprofen is good or bad. There's there's so many facts coming out of these daily briefings because they're getting the facts. 
and not to broadcast that is a dereliction in your public duty. You should be, if you're a public broadcaster, you should be fined, not subsidized. But the government, uh, the Democrats have decided they should be subsidized because let's face it, they are their friends and they will support them when times are tough. So that's important. Good news. What's the next good news from the UK? So Niall, Neil Ferguson, uh, who was one of the authors of the Imperial College document study that said that basically led to the shutdown in the UK and to a certain extent led to other shutdowns, which it predicted 500,000 deaths in the UK from the coronavirus. And, you know, that when you look at that in comparison to, to the U- US, it's a huge number of deaths. And he has now backtracked a little. Uh, he has now backtracked a little and said maybe uh, they were misled because they think that a lot more people have the corona- had the coronavirus in the UK than they thought, that people had it and had recovered and hadn't been in the statistics. And, he, and perhaps we're now looking at 20,000 deaths in the UK. 20,000, 20, not 500,000? Yeah. It's still an awful big number, but it's it's a bad flu yeah. in the UK. It's, it's a really, really bad flu. So hopefully... We're on the good side rather than the bad side. So, yeah, so that's Neil Ferguson. Uh, you can check him out. Check check out that. Just Google that. And we'll be putting some stuff up on our Alan Film Facebook page, Alan Film Scoop Facebook page. We're putting those articles up. So hopefully that's good news. And following on from that, and by the way, apologies for us um, sharing this microphone. Obviously, production values have decreased since um, since the since the quarantine. Since, since we our, lost our staff, since we lost our staff, everyone lost not in that way. They're they're all very well uh, working remotely. Um, but uh, following on on that story from the UK, um, I thought there was a great piece, by the way, which uh, people again, you're at home, they've got time to read. Heather McDonald's piece in the American Spectator, fantastic, where she said, "Are we overreacting to the virus?" Um, and it's 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 a great piece. Basically, she's asking people, consider the costs, she said. The rush to impose sweeping restrictions on public and commercial life across the entire economy should be more carefully evaluated. That's the the, the crucial phrase, more carefully evaluated. I mean, if you look at what Governor Cuomo of New York said in his press conference, if if everything we do saves just one life, I'll be happy. And and for for that one person, obviously, that's, that's, that's wonderful. But we don't. That's not the way. That's, yeah, exactly. This is not how people work. You know, Cuomo's assertion, Cuomo's assertion that saving just one life justifies an economic shutdown raises questions that have not been acknowledged, much less answered, as public officials across the country compete to compose to impose even more draconian antivirus that, that, measures. That's what Heather McDonald is. That's what Heather McDonald is saying, and, and and she makes a couple of points. The, the whole article is worth reading. She she makes a number of I great points, that, but I, this is the this is the couple yeah. of ones that I had pulled out uh, that I thought were worth were were, were worth looking at. Around Around 40,000 Americans die every year in traffic deaths. So we could, and we could say, this is what Heather McDonald says, we could save not just one life, but tens of thousands by lowering the speed limit to 25 miles per hour on all the highways and roads. But we tolerate the highway carnage because we value the time saved from driving fast more. So it's, you know, very, very good point. And, but I mean, I think what she really, what she really is important in that piece is the, the question about, you know, what what do you do to save one life, ten thousand lives? What do you do, and how far do you go? And you know, we've come to this agreement that some lives, you know, this agreement that we we won't stop people driving cars, that we won't stop people hunting with guns. We won't, we, sorry, we won't stop people drinking. By the yes. way, so 
Let's let's have let's try and get a census perspective as we go forward. Yeah, and then the other story we had, which is extraordinary, is um, from China. And I know you know we, we had we, and by the way, you should watch our latest episode of the Anne Phelan Scoop, where we did a very long interview, a brilliant interview, but uh, with the Epoch Times um, about China. But one of the things that the Epoch Times have been reporting on, and it's an extraordinary thing, is you know we and, and we agree, by the way, with the Epoch Times, you cannot trust the Chinese. These are these are despicable. This is a dis- Despicable, the Chinese government, the Chinese Communist Party, sorry, the Chinese Communist Party cannot be trusted. Chinese people are wonderful. Um, the Chinese Communist Party cannot be trusted. Um, and, you know, and one of the things that the Epoch Times says is how, you know, you know they, they, they're giving out these numbers. They're constantly giving out these numbers, which the WHO and the American government and every, all, everywhere, basically, all the newspapers, all the mainstream media are quoting these numbers out of China like they're, like they're golden, like they're true. But here's a number that the Epoch Times wants people to think about. There has been, and they're saying, so mobile phones apparently, you cannot survive without a mobile phone in China. It's like you're, it's, it's everything. It's everything to people. And there has well, been a massive, massive drop in the number of mobile phones being um, uh, used in China. In fact, a drop of 21 million in the last number of months. And, f- and 840,000 uh, landlines accounts. have been uh, landline accounts have stopped being used. Um, so between those two numbers, 21 million mobile phones and 840 thousand landlines, there is there's a story there. Yeah, it could be because of the shutdown in businesses that less people are using landlines, businesses aren't using them, uh, mobile phones people are not using them for business, etc., uh, or are letting them go. But but Somewhere in there, there are people who are using not using their f- mobile phone for for because they're not here anymore. And as Anne said, it's impossible to exist in China. It's not like here. The Chinese government has made the mobile phone an essential part of your of your interaction with the government, which is big because it's a big state there. And that's a way they have of keeping track on you. Every mobile phone is registered uh, to a person. Uh, so so it's impossible to exist. So letting go of your mobile phone account is a big move in China. So 21 million. So the reality is, you know, as we said, Italy has less cases than China, but a higher death rate. Does that sound real? Uh, especially given China's not sterling healthcare system. So I think China is lowballing the case, number of cases and lowballing the number of deaths. They lied about this virus at the beginning what why wouldn't they be lying going forward so let's but but kind of extraordinary by the way that the mainstream media basically have become this arm of the ccp of the uh, communist the chinese communist party by reporting verbatim the talking points that are coming out of the government but one of the things that we're we're looking at at the moment and talking to people across the country and across the world is how are how are their local municipalities how are their local governments um dealing with this with the with the shutdown and the lockdown so we're talking to a good friend in the south of france uh, who who sent this message to us and said from today in france and this was just yesterday we have to add the time so basically they have to print out if you're in france you have to print out a, a, pe- a sheet of paper that the government has uh, made made available you have to give your name and your address you have to say what time you're leaving the house and where you're going and there's a number of boxes to tick and they're the only way you know so the, you can go to the hospital you can go to the pharmacy you can go to the grocery store and you can go and take exercise and you tick that box but then you can be stopped by the cops right you can be stopped by the gendarme the gendarme 
I think the gendarmerie can stop you and say, give me your piece of paper there now and let's see. Really, you're going to the pharmacy? Well, you seem to be 20 miles away from that pharmacy or whatever. And by the way, they're fining you. The initial fines have increased. Initially, they were 38 euros. They went up now to 135 euros. Now, sorry, they went from 38 to 135, then to 375 euros. And if you relapse, you know, if you do this more than once... Uh, 1,500 euros um, and also we hear from John Fund John Fund was writing on Twitter and what, what it, well, he's a good story yes John looks like John look at like John is in France at the moment maybe he's, he's trapped there but uh, French region bans alcohol um, Asne Asne has prohibited sales of alcohol to avoid gatherings and family violence um, However, the good news is that uh, in about 24 hours, they reversed that ban. <laughs> I, I don't think you can separate the French from their alcohol. And similar to many, uh, many nationalities. Uh, uh, and by the way, talking of that, I think it's... I've, glass, I've, people in Irish glass houses shouldn't throw alcoholic stones. Thanks, Phelan, for that. And I would say, actually, I would advise people that a very nice um, alcoholic beverage you could have right now is a screwdriver, by the way. So you could have um, squeeze some oranges and uh, throw in a bit of uh, vodka there to take the, the, sad, the sadness out of it. Or you could make yourself a margarita with um, nice limes, lime juice and a little bit of tequila. Again, introducing vitamin C only because I care about the vitamin C. Yes which would be nice for uh, attacking the uh, coronavirus, perhaps. But not, not that we're medical experts, we are alcohol experts. So, so talking of reversing crazy bans, earlier in the week, the sheriff of Los Angeles, uh, almost simultaneously with releasing thousands of prisoners from the jails, because we have to be nice to the prisoners in the jails, um, uh, so releasing thousands of prisoners who all come to, who are in Los Angeles, they announced a closure of the gun shops. I mean, com- I mean, completely mad. Um, uh, very quickly, wherever he got advice from the LA County Attorney that 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 the gun shops. Funny, he wasn't told that it was unconstitutional, which it probably is. He was told that the gun shops fitted the definition of essential business uh, under the governor's emergency order, and this is bad that the sheriff thought he, should, he could ban gun shops, thought it was okay to ban gun shops. You know, I know lots of people on our street who don't have guns but who are thinking of getting one at the moment only because the cops are busy. Mm-hmm. The, the, there's nobody on the streets. The criminals have a free run, a free reign. You know, they, they want a gun for this difficult time and thankfully they can now go out and buy one. But crazy. Well, but just two things on that, by the way. The other thing that's been deemed essential here in California is that the pot shops, the, the marijuana shops, have been deemed as part of the essential services that need to remain open. And also just on the on the cop front, it's interesting. We've observed, because um, we go for a walk every day, we try and get the 10,000 steps in anyway, and we're near the beach, which is great. So we walk down to the beach and get out, and the sun is shining. Um, is that the, mostly, is that the um, we see the cops more visibly than we have. And we have a friend, actually, who's in the LAPD, and we've heard heard from him that all the shifts have been changed to 12 hour shifts and he who's he's normally an under uh, does undercover work he has been uh, put into uniform so people are back on the streets and I have to say we've noticed we went to the bank to take some money out like most people and we saw it was a cop car there we went to Costco there was a cop car there um, and so uh, much more visible much more visible than I've ever noticed before that every time we go walking I see I see cop cars around which is really great because we're obviously we live in Venice California where um, there's a lot of crime 
And then our last, um, our last, our last story, basically, which is advice. So, the, the advice, the happy advice, is go back to Costco. So, obviously, Costco was crazy for a while, and people there were amazing f- uh, photographs and video around the country and around the world showing people in these massive long lines. So, we decided to try, you know, uh, just we, we we ran low on just about everything, and we thought, look, let's go to Costco because if we go to Costco and if we get in, then we can do a buy, and we won't have to go back for ten days or whatever. So, we went to Costco. It's really, really well organized, at least here, um, the one, our local one here in Culver City. Basically, you snake around. They, they have, they've created a kind of a barrier thing, so you snake around. But I had a funny little experience. I told Philem about it. So I arrived, and what was really great was most people, every, everyone obviously, had, their, uh, had the trolley. And so the trolley created... Or, as you call them, shopping carts. Oh, shopping carts. The, we call them shopping trolley. So the shopping cart created, really created, actually, a perfect six feet distance between you and the people uh, behind you but then people came in behind me and stood right behind me and it was one of those things where I suddenly was like oh god what do I do and I turned around and I just said guys can you push back a bit and uh, and you know and uh, and then the guy behind them said ma'am relax and I was really cross with him but the really bad thing was of course that the people that unfortunately had stood right behind me were Asian and I kind of thought I was looking at him thinking oh god of course he thinks I'm racist and it's like anyway boring so we all lined up anyway eventually you know we were lined up by the way for about 10 minutes not more than 10 minutes and then the, you know the guy at the door said okay and he let in I would say what 30 40 of us yeah. I have never ever been in a Costco that had less people in it than our experience going to Costco. It was a dream. They're basically allowing, they're corralling people, then allowing people in in like 30s and 40s. It's obviously a huge store. So we had a really good experience. And I didn't look for toilet po- paper because we're good on toilet paper. Um, but I will report to you the next time I go to Costco whether they have it. But they had everything else. They had literally everything else. Like So I got milk, we got eggs, we got fruit, which was really nice. And we got lovely fresh um, salmon. Can I just say the grocery stores have done a wonderful job uh, keeping America ticking and keeping America fed. And I mean, I just don't understand how Costco can be so well stocked. I mean, it's just, I, I mean, it's, the, it's, it's a miracle. I, I, I remember I worked for the Financial Times once and, and the editor of the Financial Times was was assailed for saying every day we produce a miracle and you know when you think about a newspaper it's an amazing thing that all this stuff would come together at seven or eight o'clock and it'd be printed and it'd be in the most remote part of the uk uh you know in cornwall in in scotland for 6 a.m the next morning a miracle and he was sort of laughed but i mean it wasn't you know when you look at it now it's pretty amazing but the real miracle is that costco has oranges costco has potatoes costco has meat loads of it every day and, and thank god for it and, and thank god for it and you know here's a, a here's the thing to ponder as we sign off for t- today's daily virus um can you imagine if the government were in charge of distributing food to the public god between us and all harm like if ever there was something to to be grateful to god for that we have these large businesses that know how to operate as i said i think in the last daily virus i was basically making the point they've seen christmas before they've had thanksgiving they've had moments where people you know do do a lot of go shopping crazy. and go crazy and my like god that. they very quickly fill those shelves up again so really um, well done big business um, more of you please because imagine if the DMV were in charge of giving out food Should they can't even you know they've so little to do the DMV but my god they have a real problem doing it as everyone knows you know you have to make an appointment we have somebody who came to work for us uh, Yvonne and she came from New York tried to get tried to get an appointment with the DMV it was like three months hence like what is wrong with them so can you imagine if the government were in charge of distributing food so thanks be to god that they aren't um, and 
that's us for today's Daily Virus. Don't forget to check out uh, our wider interview with Jan Jacelik. Uh, I'm sorry for mangling his name, on the Anon Film Scoop, yes. uh, the weekly podcast. And keep tuning in and keep safe. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. Um, God bless and stay safe. Thank you. Thank you.